Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is Episode 10, Edie Demas, The Sphere of Cultural Responsibility, Act 3, recorded April 28, 2018, at the Jacob Burns Film Center in Pleasantville, New York. Fitzall, prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Hello, teaching artistry listeners. Since last we were together, a lot has happened. So, so much. Let's start with some good stuff. So we celebrated National Arts and Education Week. And in that same week, there was the International Teaching Artist Conference, which was held in New York City. As part of this conference, there was an event that I announced a couple months ago or last month uh, that there was the first ever live podcast taping of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. It was absolutely exhilarating. We had lots of people from the international teaching artist community there, as well as local um, colleagues, friends, acquaintances, etc. It was really, really great, and it's something I have been dreaming about for a while. You will get a chance to hear all about both the National Arts uh, Arts and Education Week and listen to the roundtable discussion that was taped live in our next episode. Oh, and I can't wait. So I wanted to talk a little bit about politics. When I first conceived of this podcast, uh, I I wasn't thinking about or I wasn't thinking that politics would have so much of a presence in the conversation. And more recently, I actually started thinking that perhaps I should pull back on uh, how much I talk about politics or how politics I, how politic I get. Um, and then I thought, no, no. Especially after being at the International Teaching Artists Conference, I'm realizing how much... The world is watching what we do here in America and that as Americans, we have a civic responsibility to be engaged in all levels of government because all of that, all of those choices, all of the rule of law affects the communities that we work in and to ignore what's happening on the local national, uh, uh, sorry, local state and national level in terms of policy, in terms of uh, you know, acts and, and laws being put into action uh, 
or were to be oblivious to what's happening in our country, it just would be wrong. We talk about arts education and teaching our history here. And the fact that we have the ability to help folks better understand the world through arts engagement. And if we are not doing our due diligence to be informed, then, then how can we, how can we do that kind of work in communities? We would be doing our constituents a disservice. So I'm here to say that I will not back down. Not from that responsibility. I will continue to use my voice with this podcast in my work and in my life to fight for what I believe in and to help build a culture of society where we fight oppression and engage with each other from a place of support and love and not from hate and destruction. We are living in a time, people, we are living in a time that I don't think I ever thought we'd be in, but we're here and what is our responsibility? The midterms are coming up in a few weeks, and that is an effective place where your voice can be heard. So if you're not already, register before the deadline and then vote on uh, November 6th. So this is uh, a f- uh, the next installment of a conversation with Edie. The first conversation with her was so juicy, but we only had enough time to like tip to get to the tip, the tip of the iceberg, as it were. Uh, so producer Ben Weber and I trekked back up to Pleasantville. I make it sound like it's forever and away. It's literally 45 minutes away, but Pleasantville uh, to visit Edie one more time and round out our conversation. And based on the the title and both sets of conversations, it's been making me think about what our responsibility is to our creative selves. How do we caretake our ideas and remain as flexible and open with ourselves as artists as we are with our constituents and the community members that we work with? So... Take a listen to Edie Demas, The Sphere of Cultural Responsibility, Episode 10, Act 3. This has been a journey. Yes. I don't even know the last time we spoke. I mean, for this. It was almost a year. It was was last summer, wasn't it? Yeah. So full disclosure, we've had the first half of this conversation was a year ago. (laughs) Well, let's say nine months. Let's say. Like we're making a baby. It's yes. happening. We're cooking. <laughs> um, so welcome back, Edie. Thank you. Well, welcome back to Pleasantville. Thank you. Thanks for having us. What a what a glorious day. Beautiful. After a very, very long winter, we're here. Finally. I'm glad. Me too. <laughs> On every front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about how weather really is a thing and sunlight is important. It is a vitamin thing. Vitamin D, it's a thing. Um, so we're... we're um, Last time we spoke, we were really talking about your sort of origin story and your oh, journey. Right. Yes. And we'd gotten uh, up to about where you started working at the at the New Victory. And we talked a little bit about some of the work that you were doing there. Um, <clears throat> so I want to I want to sort of pick up from there. Great. And then really get into, you know, a lot of conversation ar- around the field and teaching artists. Great. Great. Um, so if I recall correctly, um, 
we were at a, I think we were talking about, um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking right now, but the, the, did you know, hey, <laughs> did you know that it's the 15th anniversary of the class and workshop you program? You know, I think, I was just thinking hmm. when we were talking about how it's been nine months, that what a gift, because it wouldn't be the 15th anniversary. So true. Had we not waited. So I think you, I would give yourself credit mm. for the foresight of waiting for the 15th anniversary. I, don't, I, I, I mean, I guess on some intellectual level, if I'd taken the time to sit down and think about it, I could have come up with the fact that it's the 15th anniversary. I'd like to think I could anyway, mm -hmm. if pressed. Um, but on an emotional level, I have not yet fully processed that. It's thrilling to think about it is thrilling. it is thrilling uh, for me it's most thrilling because that means that I'm 15 as well so about 15 years ago you hired me at the new victory and we we worked together to launch the program that is as it stands now 15 years later um, thriving and um, so it's been a lot uh, in preparation for the 15th anniversary and sort of finding ways to celebrate all the work that we've done and, and thinking to the future of it, it's been great to actually go back and mm. think about how we got here. It's origin story. It's exactly <laughs> it's origin story. Um, so when we talked actually last time, we were talking about the guiding principles. Right. Um, and we talked a little bit about the process, but we didn't really delve into it. Um, I wonder if we could start there because I, I know that that process happened a couple years into working in the classroom workshop program, mm -hmm. but um, I, I feel like that was when we, we got really clear about our foundation for the program. Yeah, it's, you know, I think it was about, it was a couple years in, but it was at the year, end of the first year with that small group of teaching artists or the second year with that small group? It was group? actually going into the year where we doubled our staff. Yeah, we were anticipating that when mm -hmm. we came up with it as a concept. Yeah. Well, it's hard for me to jump quite to that without just... Start where you need to start. Well, I just, I have such a vivid image ever since you've talked about this, the 15th and the guiding principles and origin stories um, of us in the now old New Vic lobby um, asking that first tiny handful of, of teaching artists... Um, to jump in with us mm -hmm. um, and to take a chance and to help us figure it out. Um, you know, and I still get a little bit emotional thinking about the fact that they said yes. Mm -hmm. And it was so much, it was so much in that kind of fundamental improv um, philosophy of yes and, and, and boy, did they? Mm -hmm. Did we? Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't just the TAs. I mean, you and the other full-time staff members also jumped in and said yes and. And we, you know, sometimes you have plans and sometimes you don't. And, or they're, they're not as um, written in stone. Um, they evolve and you give, you're in a, in a very luxurious position of letting plans evolve um which 
you know, we continue, I think, to be uh, grateful and appreciative of the fact that the new VIC and the new 42 as institutions um, gave all of us those opportunities to figure it out as we went along mm -hmm. and as you all continue to go along, which is a, just a remarkable and a rare gift. So with all of that said, after jumping in with that first cohort, um, you know, I remember being on an airplane coming back from Las Vegas from the Americans for the Arts Conference with you and Michael Wiggins um, and hatching the plan or not a notion um, that we needed some sort of value set um, and that having a structure like that that we all shared um, would enable us to sort of not just get on the same page with each other, although there was something fundamental about that, making sure we were all speaking the same language, um, but also could perhaps, we hoped, give us a way to um, give each other feedback and beyond ourselves, talk about the work with other others. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe if it worked, it would find its way into curriculum development and maybe, maybe if that worked into assessment evaluation and field research. Mm -hmm. And now all of those things have happened mm -hmm. and more. Um, oh, and I guess there was a step in there about finding other um, folks who would enter into, who had a, a sense that they held those same values mm -hmm. and would again jump in with the rest. Mm -hmm. um, and that was thrilling. And I think a really great, really concrete example of what artists and teaching artists have to offer um, arts administrators and arts organizations and sort of uh, traditional or formal structures, organizational structures is when we, you know, brought, rolled out, it's like the scroll, you know, we had that teaching artist training and we rolled out our principles and we were bringing them to the fold and, um, and it became so clear towards the end of the day that there was one missing mm -hmm. and the missing one was about the art. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's funny, but and it, at the time it wasn't. Uh, you know, I never felt defensive or challenged, but it was just. It was just so perfect. It was so perfect that they said, they offered up and reflected back to us who had designed. You know, this beautiful workshop structure, um, and they had said, you know, where's the art? And then eventually, I think I. I'm remembering right that that became use the form to teach the form mm -hmm. and now of all of those well I don't know if that's true but that's one that has somehow entered my DNA in a in a really rich and valuable way mm -hmm. and I'm just I mean I'm, I can see now all those all their installations in the studio building mm -hmm. you know activating each principle and then they looked around the room and it was like where, where's where's the theater? Where's performance? Where's the it's story? It's like Nancy. Where's the drama? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Um, and you know, in in again, in hindsight, it was just how wonderful to have an opportunity to learn in that way. 
um, from your colleagues and your mm-hmm. friends and your peers. Yeah, I'm for, uh, I I have quotes. <laughs> what I recalled from from um, my my mind memory, my mind movie, is you sitting on those stairs mm-hmm. in that first cohort and saying, "Thank you for going on this journey with us." And as somebody who is just you know starting out with the organization and just getting to know her supervisor, her boss, that definitely resonated with me the idea that oh she doesn't she doesn't know where we're going entirely either that we all actually have a stake to claim in here and have something to contribute that is really something that I I could get behind um so that was one and then um in terms of the principles I remember I remember being in that process and just you know I like I said before like I was about it and I had a blast I I don't think I was in that art form based because we kept splintering up and, um, (laughs) um, but it felt, it felt chaotic. It felt, um, uh, like a little dangerous, Mm. but it also felt like, oh, we've got something that was kind of messy. Yeah. It was really messy, which I like mess. Me too. Um, and I like sort of finding the way and being open in that way. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, I think especially because Lindsay and I were both a part of that process, that's a lot of how we operate in, a, in many ways, as you might know, that you know, there continue to be structures, structural changes and ways of looking at the work um, in, in, and saying, you know, let's throw things up on the wall and not be afraid of that um, and not just do the status quo. Um, that is definitely um, a part of our, our day now, day to day now as uh, we work as directors. But um Yeah, I have a lot of very, very specific visceral images, again, of being uh, in Vegas and sharing those values um, with a whole new set of people and then being on that plane. And we were actually devising the curriculum development process on the way back. Oh, that's what it was, right. And and that, because we had the values and we had been working with them for a year or so, it felt like, okay, could we actually take this next kind of leap and find ways for the artists to actually be working directly with us in some sort of framework mm-hmm. to develop the work that we're doing around each show and what could that look like. And we were looking at what is a devising process, an artistic devising process look like and how could that translate to curriculum? Yeah, I mm-hmm. was, I, that was, that was so exciting trying to, to knit all of that together mm-hmm. and so full of possibility and just so gratifying to see it in practice. And again, um, to be, um, all of this to be happening in an organization that, you know, just let, let it happen and, and believed in it and mm-hmm. in us. And, um, you know, I remember long conversations with you and Lindsay and probably others, but the two of you the most about the, the goal. We, well, you know, we had two goals. One was the practical. We had to produce curriculum for X number of shows. 15 to 18. 15 to 18. <laughs> And two, uh, and very diverse mm-hmm. in every way. Um, and two, um, wanting to figure out how to leverage, in the best sense of that word, word, the talents and assets and artistry of what by then we were calling the teaching artist ensemble. And just the fact that we used a um, 
formal theater word like ensemble to describe the group was the first clue, mm -hmm. I think, to recognizing that they could work as artists in the creation of curriculum. And um, the more that kind of language, like casting the workshop teams, mm -hmm. um, and then coming up with that structure that mirrored the devising and rehearsal structure, all of that just permeated the um, atmosphere. And it's so interesting, I, I think about this a lot, not just in the in um, an arts education or teaching artists context, but you know how powerful those small, what seem like small wordsmithing choices mm -hmm. are. But from the moment ensemble entered, entered the bloodstream, everything else kind of fell mm -hmm. into place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and you know that was a gift from Jonathan Neeland. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really powerful. Agreed, and um, you know, the, the, I think the other, you know, so I, I'd like to name them the shorthand versions of the original principles. Mm -hmm. um, prior knowledge was one. Mm -hmm. uh, use the form to teach the form. Uh, performing arts literacy. Mm -hmm. There were six, so I'm, I'm counting them off. Um, asking questions and making connections. Um, is that the same as the student? Um, the student to student interaction that was I think I think hmm. uh oh I'm gonna lose the others hmm. you can put that in in post yes I'll put that in in post <laughs> um, but yeah there were two more anyway and now we I still had so then um, over time we sort of tweak them um, and now we have uh, what we call guiding pillars mm -hmm. but you know the original guiding principles were developed specifically around the classroom workshop program. But as you said, they started to permeate other areas mm -hmm. of uh, the programming and the way that we were working internally and with our, our teaching artists. Um, and, and frankly, thinking about how we were working with the different constituents. Um, and so there was a moment where we were thinking about how do we apply these to the family workshop program or how do we, or do we create new ones? Um, and when, again, when Lindsay and I were then, uh, each made director of education with different focuses, um, we decided that we wanted to make sure that our gu guiding pillars or our core values, which became the pillars, um, really were about all of the ran work across, that we were doing, yeah. ran across. I think and that's so, critical. That's yeah. Well, it was it was a new a new way of looking at the work, mm -hmm. which was very exciting. And um, you know, we, we just in that umbrella, when, you know, there's youth core, there's school engagement, there's public engagement in the families. So in, in all of those programs, we have to think about what's inherent and what do we find is our foundation, and then that becomes the groundwork for how we give feedback, how we assess, and how we create the work mm -hmm. around that, uh, those programs. So now we're still with art form. Uh, we have uh, community, uh, create, um, discovery, uh, play, and arts for all. So the idea of uh, 
play wasn't necessarily in the original set, Mm-mm. but it was the way we were working. But we, right. you know, it, it just, wasn't called out. It wasn't called out. And that was the number one when we decided, we said, you know, we're going to look at all of this different, uh, you know, materials that we have, how we talk about the program, the current principles to be able to start. And we took about a year <laughs> uh, working with the teaching artists to, to land on that place. And we're still in a place where we we could be, you know, continuing to, to re- revise and relook. Um, that was one of the originals, wasn't it? Something about reflection, revise and reflect, or some something, something like that. Like yes. that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, which is great. And so, the, I mean, it was. It's interesting uh, to think about play that that has actually become a clear anchor for us, mm-hmm. um, and and the idea of working with each of the different constituents like artists, not you know, working to make them professional artists, but um, working with them as artists and believing inherently that everybody is an artist. Um, and I think that's another uh, pivot point, actually, for how our artists are making work, mm-hmm. uh, whether as a teaching artist or as an artist, that there are companies that have been developed over time. Yeah. Um, that in, uh, have a great deal of our teaching artists working together in this more artistic way and with the basis or the foundation of working as a Nuvik teaching artist. Um, can you speak to that at all? Like you, you, you are. Yeah. And working... I think, I actually think it goes beyond teaching artists slash artists. Mm. I, I think, um, as I listen to you, um, and that, the kind of beautiful evolution and the and the depth of those principle values principles pillars and and um uh, and the application of them across all of the work i think there's another dimension um which is also um administrative or managerial or, or organizational because mm-hmm. I I also see now from a, a distance that many of those same ideas or core values are reflected in the approach to quote-unquote running the department mm-hmm. um, and so I really believe and you and I have talked for years about this intersection and union really more than an intersection of arts administration arts practice and arts education and that you don't have to be any one of those things Mm -hmm. and so I feel like the philosophy you're describing and the methodology you're describing also is a part of the um, sort of arts organizational culture legacy of the new Vic as well. So, um, and play and intentional reflection and um, tolerance of mess or interest in mess, Mm -hmm. um, all of the things we've been talking about that were um, fundamental to the growth that you're describing in the new Vic education programs in particular, um, I think come out of those same values. It's also about um, your, any one of our, uh, the development of our leadership styles 
And I feel mm -hmm. absolutely that they're grounded in those same values. And um, so that said, when I, when I look around now um, at uh, that original ensemble and the changing um, work and, uh, and, and uh, makeup of the ensemble, I mean, you, you see it all over the place. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, it's just, I feel like I'm repeating myself. It's just thrilling. Um, to look at companies like Spellbound and Trusty Sidekick, um, at um, uh, I'm forgetting how Seth and Christina is it Acrobuffos? Um, I mean that's that you know it, it just comes right back. Mm -hmm. And the New Vic isn't the only piece of the um, artistic evolution of those companies, mm -hmm. but it's a, it is a core part of it. And again, I think it's not just present in the work they produce, the outcome, but also in the way they approach creating work and collaborating. Um, and I, I just think that's very meaningful. Mm -hmm. And then I look around at, at people who, myself included, who have left the New Vic and what, what, folks take with them into these new um, ventures. You know, I look at Shoba at Cooney, mm -hmm. um, at James Miles out at, um, oh my God, why am I, at Arts Corps, mm -hmm. um, Michael Wiggins in Baltimore, mm -hmm. David Kilpatrick at the Kennedy Center. So even though David was sort of, he was the pre-pre-classroom mm -hmm. workshop, he was the person, we probably talked about this um, last summer, he was the person during my dissertation research and um, who said to me, well, Edie, what is this idea of access? And we talk about access all the time. Is access just sitting in a seat? Um, is that really accessing the art or accessing the story or you know, making connections? Mm -hmm. Some of these same, and in his line of, his sort of pushback and questioning around what is um, authentic access and engagement, he was laying, he was planting the seeds of what became those values mm -hmm. and, and really what became the aspirations um, that the values were sort of, are sort of the fuel for. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and I'm sure there are more. I mean, we could, I don't want to, we could talk all podcast about <laughs> this sort of alumni community. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and people who are, who come in, the other beauty that mm -hmm. we really strove for at the beginning in building what became the TA Ensemble was this idea that people could do other work and come back and that that, that was from a employment and man, purely managerial standpoint that um, we were gonna hold on to that mm -hmm. because we had this notion that that would only make what we did when they were in New York or at the New Vic better. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, that, I, I mean, that I would love to hear what you think, but <laughs> my hunch is that mm -hmm. that has really paid off. It has. It has. I, I, it, it is an ensemble, and we have um, what could be could could be though we don't necessarily refer to it as this sort of tiered 
um, strata within mm-hmm. the ensemble, meaning there are people who are very available and they're doing a lot of work with the new victory on a regular basis throughout a season. Or there are artists who are out in the field, uh, you know, on a tour or creating and just having to step away for a moment and being, there are lots of opportunities um, for it easy to come right back in through a lesson plan training that we call activations and just launch right back into working with the, the new Vic and that sort of flexibility for us as, as managing uh, and supervising the teaching artists help, um, you know, manage all those different schedules for all the different programs. But um, the fact that we meet so regularly does mean that it's seamless. It's very seamless for somebody to come right back in into the full and feel like, oh, I'm at home base. Um, and then you have some artists who, you know, they, they sort of pick and choose. They've been with us for a while or they're working very frequently. You know, they're sort of 80% out in the field, 20% teaching or something like that. And so they're picking and choosing particular productions or programs that they're going to be able to be engaged in. And we can work with that flexibility. Um, the more flexible we are, actually, the better we're right, getting right. <laughs> uh, of the of the artists. And, and we have had people who have left and come back. I mean, left meaning moved away left, left, or left, yeah. left and became, you know, inactive or um, and then come back because they moved back to New York or um, there's it's a it's a family here. In fact, in the <laughs> designing of the uh, invitation for this party that we're going to have for the celebrating uh, the 15th anniversary of the workshop program, um, I toyed with sort of saying, you know, come and mingle and, you yeah. know, raise family a glass reunion. with you, a fa- <laughs> like a family reunion. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I stopped short of that and kept it with the ensemble, but, <laughs> but I really think that like we're family and, you know, there's the other part that can be a little more shaky is that people, uh, you know, a lot of, of other things could be happening in their lives that take them away from the new Vic, but they won't give us up, right? <laughs> which is not a terrible thing mm-hmm. to have, but it is a moment where it, sometimes it's like, okay, somebody has got to cut the cord a little bit or yeah, I just can't you know, quit sever. you. I can't well, quit you. It's true. <laughs> and I, I love it. Yeah. Well, so here's, so just, you know, again, you, that here's the, the amazing and like the wonderfully rich thing in, in, in all of that is, be, though the principles may change to pillars, there or and whatever else may happen, mm-hmm. there is still, um, as you said, you know, play has become really prominent, but it was always there, and so it, it it's it's very authentic that it should become prominent, and um, so those shifts don't actually impact the the value set that you all hold we all hold and so the this idea of family and alumni and stuff when folks come back in whether it's from literally being inactive or it's just infrequent or whatever it Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. it's all still there Mm -hmm. um and that's amazing and you 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 know you spoke about one of the pillars being community and that is community uh and so that's a perfect example of what i was trying in a long wordy answer to hit on, which is that that value set is not just the way you deliver programs, it's the, it's, it's uh, authentic to how you do your work, whether that work is administrative or it's program implementation. And that, you know, that's, that's a beautiful thing. And I mean that, you know, Mm -hmm. truly, Mm -hmm. um, and it's another rare thing. And I think 
as I as I think about our conversation and our history together and the um, the institutions and colleagues that we have in common that um, are, go beyond the new victory, um, and we we've, we've both had professional experiences at other organizations and and conversation about the fact that all too often, sadly, for whatever reason, the the ethos of the office somehow doesn't line up with the mm. mission of the institution. Mm -hmm. And so the mission has this set of values around whatever they may be, but um, you know, often in writing, they're very similar to the pillars you've just described or some variation on a theme, mm -hmm. right? Um, but the way the office is run doesn't mirror that same um, value set. Mm -hmm. And I've, I found that I, in, that was it early, early on in my career that came into high relief at a particular institution. And it's been something lodged in me that if I ever had the chance, I didn't want to be um, at the center of an, of an office where there was such a disconnect between the mission and the vision and the work culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as you were talking, I, um, I want to delve a little bit deeper into what you just said. But as you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that we um, about six, five or six years ago, revised our organization's mission. Mm. And very key programmatic staff actually were a part of that process, um, uh, including me and Lindsay. And the process in which we were going about the revising the mission actually, <laughs> we, we, you know, sort of brought up the, the, the principles and the, the pillars and said, you know, maybe we should be thinking about that on a more organizational level. Can we get there? And we actually did um, create a set of principles along with revising the, the mission. And so the idea of that sort of synergy between the education, making sure that we are creating work that is mission aligned, mm -hmm. um, knowing that we were, I think that it's interesting because there are some, uh, especially in theaters, there are some um, education departments that were developed long after an organization or a theater organization um, started, right, right, was founded, right. as opposed to the New Victory. Um, <clears throat> and the classic and, um, mm. origin story in that structure mm -hmm. is that they were founded for fundraising. Right. So so that disconnect um, makes a lot of sense in certain places, mm -hmm. whereas in, in this particular institute, and I think there are others, where they are much more connected, and the, 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 um, the workplace ethos really is is a microcosm I think of the way an organization works uh, holistically across a, all the departments but um, you know I remember thinking at that point like wow I, I can't believe I'm in this room like I'm in the room where it happens because I, I don't know what the process was in, in previous years mm -hmm. and incarnations because I wasn't on the senior staff level but um, that felt really, I feel really proud. Yeah, I've always felt proud of working for the organization, but there was a pride once we landed on that, that mission statement of how much we all had a hand in getting to that place. That's right. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, we all are talking about the work from the president all the way down in the same way. And we actually all truly believe it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that is very clear across the teaching artists that they feel it too. And that 
at this point, our teaching artists are really engaged across all, not just the department and all programs of the department, but across the organization. Um, and we're finding new and varied ways to be able to amplify, amplify their voices within the work that we're doing. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. And into all the way into strategizing, for example, the, um, the lobby renovation, mm-hmm. um, a, a, there were a couple of factors that were involved that my, my counterpart, Lindsay, was very very anchored in um and the the design ended up being um created around what does engagement look like in that space what should it look like in that space and the team used utilized not only they used the teaching artists as part of that process um in focus groups and making some suggestions knowing that this was a long project um and there was uh full support from the whole organization around that. And in the final sort of designs and and the process of creating the design and then being able to talk about how that uh, the screens are three different screens and they're actually based off of the pillars. So, and the idea of the screens being able to support self-guided play as Mm -hmm. well as um, supporting the teaching artist who's in the space um, for each performance now and um, understanding that there are a lot of different things that are happening in that space and that each screen sort of supports that there's some sort of unit conversation, exploration, discovery making happening in that space all at once. Um, and that I, I, yeah, I need to let, bring Lindsay on to speak more eloquently than I can about it. But that, but I, I want to. I say all of that to, to uh, match what you're what you're talking about, but to also sort of, you know, acknowledge the fact that that also, the way that we're working now is very, um, for me, calls back to how you started working with us. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like how you laid out and I said that first day with all the teaching artists in the room thank you for going on this journey. And it has been a journey. Um, and that it's permeated, that idea has permeated in how we work, uh, not only within, for me at least, within the organization and how I work with the, in the organization, but in my life. Like this, this particular project is quite a journey. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think as, as we've been talking, I've been remembering that same meeting and thinking, you know, the other piece of that journey statement was the, We'll figure it out together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that that both of those that those statements kind of those ideas go together. And I, I mean, they, it's again, it's like this full circle thing about realizing we had an ensemble. Like I just didn't from f- from falling in love with theater and process. Um, that's the way I knew how to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, it didn't occur to me that you would do it a different way. And as we think about our aspirations for kids in this work, I mean, th- those are the outcomes you want. You want those, you know, we're working on some very early research here at the Jacob Burns around our uh, uh cornerstone education program which is called image sound and story and you know it's there are lots of parallels and you know one of the things I've been thinking about again with this idea of power of words like um, so much of the work at the new Vic here at the Jacob Burns and other education programs is about this whole or small group let's figure it out we're in it together 
let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. So whether the journey is a 45-minute uh, pre or post-performance workshop or uh, how are we going to launch a classroom workshop program or a whatever, the scale, that mm -hmm. um, way of working, that mode is elastic enough to accommodate um, any of those figuring it out experimental moments. And I just wouldn't have had that if I hadn't worked in improv mm -hmm. and devised theater and you know, been a theater summer camp counselor and it's all part of a piece. Mm -hmm. uh, and those were always the, um, the ways of working that were most interesting to me. And you know, that's, even when I was doing my student teaching, which I probably talked about and it was like, you know, you've got to, these are the books you can teach, figure it out, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. And in and that, and that way, I was alone. I didn't have an ensemble, but I had the kids, and they helped me figure it out. Mm -hmm. And um, so s somehow in all of this, that's related. Mm -hmm. um, and that curiosity and that everybody's on the same playing field and will 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 meet the challenge together. I also think that, you know, the other thing that's embedded in me is I always love those um, outward bound style leadership training courses, you know, where you're thrown in a group and you have to get over the wall with only one person's feet on the ground or whatever. Like, I love that stuff. And it's all, it's all, it's all teamwork or in our parlance, it's all ensemble. It's mm -hmm. all creative community and collaboration. And um, I'm happiest when I work that way, and I want, uh, you know, and I try to be open because there are other people who aren't, mm -hmm. and you got to figure that out too. Um, but it's just been, I just feel so incredibly fortunate that um, I've been able to, to find ways to continue to bring that into uh, the work that I do. Yeah, so as executive director of Jacob Burns Film Center, Center, um, you were talking about that disconnect between and as somebody who's running an organization what what are you bringing into how, you've been here for three years is that correct four, four. Oh, this that's may, right. Nine may 1st <laughs> next week yeah so almost four years with congratulations thank you um you know what you're coming into um an organization that has been around for how many years um uh we are seven years old this year going on 18 right so uh, when you came in about 13 18, yeah 14 13 14 um and so you know what were some um strategies that you had with all you know your background and in, in working in organizations um what were some strategies to get everybody on that same play page or plane and feel um you know a part a part of part of where, where you were wanting to bring the organization forward? Well, I thought a lot about initially that um, my the biggest thing I could do was listen um, and to try to be a, um, an active listener. Um, and somewhere along the line, you know, and there's so much actor training about listening as well as speaking. And... Um, and I always, in the, in the different ways that I've taught, I, I've also always tried to be that kind of teacher. Mm -hmm. So I think I brought that with me. And, and the way that manifested itself in practice was like the first, 
four or five months, four, I think I got it done in. I was thinking I'd do it in three months, but I think it took four. I met um, for half an hour, but as you can tell from this podcast, it's hard for me to stick to a time limit. Um, what were supposed to be um, half an hour meetings um, with every full-time employee and key part-time employee, so adjunct faculty and the house management, not everybody is full-time officially. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, So that was probably about 75 people. And and I, and uh, very similar to the teaching artist reflections, the early days of those um, uh, meetings, I sent out a form in advance to everybody with five questions. Uh, and the last one was, what do you want to know about me? So the, meaning me. Mm-hmm. So the questions were, um, you know, they, they weren't earth shattering. They, but, and they were, you know, the, uh, something you love about the Jacob Burns, a challenge for the Jacob Burns, a wish, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then the, what, what did folks want to know about me? So, and I did ask that everybody um, write, answer those in a way that I could also keep the mm. written answers. And, um, and so I had, all, I had all those sessions. So that was the first thing, and I think that was a different sort of approach, perhaps. Um, and then I did, again, like from the coding the interview data for my dissertation mm-hmm. and the work that we were starting to do at the New Vic mm-hmm. with coding, even the early stuff, pre-Spark stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I put all of that to, <laughs> to use and coded the answers and, you know, came up with sort of themes that ran across all of the responses and created a, um, a sort of Zagat-style um, way to reflect all the data. And with that, or all the data, that sounds so cold, but all the responses. Mm-hmm. And um, that then informed how I wanted to approach, because I knew I was going to be, the in the first year I was there, the board wanted to see a strategic plan um, created. Now, we didn't quite get it created in the first year and signed off on, but we were close. And so I used that document um, as we were deciding uh, to inform how we were deciding to do the plan. And it was very clear um, that, and I, I, I figured this even before the interviews, but it absolutely bore out that um, uh, um, the best way to approach this was a um, very process-driven strategic planning approach and method, and um, where all of us as staff members were doing as much or more work than anybody we brought in. Mm. And so that's what we did. And that was a huge part of the decision to go with Wolf Brown for that process Mm -hmm. because I I knew that it would be. And, um, again, it's like coming back to to similar value sets and and aspirations that are born out of those values. (coughs) And so that was a great process, and it was – in some way, it's part of the learning that we've been talking about um, in all these other instances. Uh, so, there, so that, I think, was a big piece. Mm-hmm. And um, a real focus on 
what is what is an engaged audience member, whatever age you are, um, and it's interesting to be at an organization that um, spans so many ages. You know, the, the um, shorthand here is pre-K to gray, um, <laughs> and it's really true. And, um, and engagement can look, I mean, the variety, it, it's, so, it, it, it's so infinite anyway in terms of modes and styles of engagement, but it's even, that's um, uh, multiplied when you're looking at such a wide um, range. Mm -hmm. And so that's been really fun to think about and to try to push ourselves a little bit. And, and the other, the one I bring into the work here all the time is use the form to teach the form. So although it might not literally be teaching mm -hmm. in any one moment, but a more and more been trying to use visual storytelling and media to communicate about ourselves and to sort of define impact and to engage our audiences. And so that's been a kind of touchstone for me. Um, and, and again, not dissimilarly to what you've described about the new Vic at the Burns, um, education was not a, a second phase. It was, it, it, it was born at the same time as the whole institution. And um, there were not as many models or references at the time of the birth of the Burns to say this is what mm. film education or mm. um, looks like. So there uh, um, have been many, many, many different programs and styles of program and in schools time and out of school time and um, uh, classes and groups and parents and kids together. And it's just been a, a, a wonderfully rich variety of, of styles of implementation mm -hmm. um and but the idea of always coming back to the art form is sort of critical and that just just remembering that a handful of those kinds of touchstones um we used to talk about the guiding principles as a kind of checks and balances mm -hmm. right a gut check and so that's we we're continuing to refine what that means here um so I think that's been something that's carried over and is, is um, really intriguing. It's both creatively and kind of intellectually stimulating and challenging, mm -hmm. but in a good way, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To, to look at how you bring that to it, not just a different organization, but also a, a different art form. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been really um, fun for me to play with bring, and bringing play back. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't have said until we sat down, I wouldn't have described it as play, but I do think there's, um, now that you've uh, handed back the gift of that word to me, I do think that's something I've tried to bring into and infuse and is, is often um, challenging and, and in some ways not always possible to figure out how to do here, you know, when, again, you're talking about, yes, one art form, but, um, you know, documentary and fiction and, mm. uh, and so it, many genres, so right? many genres. And then within those, just those broad categories, so many different kinds of work. And, um, you know, there's a real social impact or social justice, um, part of the vision here. Um, and those docs don't always it's hard to find the play. 
Um, but you know, it's, it's, this is so awesome. Cause uh, you know, you kind of, you say this stuff out loud and you start to work on it in your brain. Right. And, um, it may not be play as we understand it, but there's, there's a resonance when the, when those, um, films and the audience sort of hit, whether it's a guest or whatever reason that it's like they hit that sweet spot, you just can feel it in the room. Um, it might not be play, but it's something about the human spirit that mm -hmm. I think eventually comes back to a, a notion of play that may just be about equal playing field mm -hmm. or a give and take um, and, and equity. And um, so those are, you know, it, it's just been, again, as I, I'm repeating myself again, but that, that creative and intellectual and sort of leadership challenge and all of that is just continues to be enriching and exciting and um, gratifying to be part of. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by the, the human spirit is that what you just said? That uh, is, okay, yes. great. Because I, I did go, I went, I went someplace. Sorry. <laughs> no, um, no, no. <laughs> there's, so, yeah, I'm. Hmm. I'm interested in, um, you know, I don't have a background in social justice work, um, but, uh, but at least two of the programs that I'm working, uh, one that I designed, and then one that I'm working with has uh, have a social justice component to it, and this idea of equity. Um, and a lot of the work uh, that we've had to do to skill up to to being able to work with young people with who are living with trauma mm -hmm. um, has been really gratifying, and made I think made me think differently about the work that. Um, that I'm um, overseeing and, ha and the, some of the approaches, but the idea of play actually coming into um, into the world to help young people or whomever we're working with thrive and believe and have hope um, has been a, a new sort of way of thinking about the work. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, people joke, joke around like Stephen Hollowitz, who is uh, works for Wolf, Wolf Brown and is a, uh, a, a big scientist and research <laughs> right. person. He, uh, he and I on the spectrum are very much on the opposite sides. And yet we have a great deal of respect for each other. And I'm always saying things like, what well, no, no, we can't, we can't deprive kids of, of these things just because you, you want clean data. No, because that's, that's hard. You can't do that. Right. And so, you know, <laughs> he's like, you know, the one who wants to take things away and I'm the one who wants to give everything. But anyway, and I, I, I bring that up because of, I talk a lot about my programmatic heart and how my heart just, you know, has all this love for uh, all the different people that we're working with. And I think inherently that's what social justice and, and equity comes down to. It's about, you know, loving others loving when I talk to Signe for example she talks about how she can love a stranger and she just has a different kind of heart like that and um so what I'm sorry just to go back to what you were saying about the human spirit and that being connected to play within the film genre um I I think it all comes down to love mm -hmm. um and uh, sometimes if you feel too much of that it, it like it can get real overwhelming and real. Yeah, and then and you go into the hurt. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. It's the yin and yang of that transaction or that experience. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that there is something interesting. I mean, in our last conversation, we had seen the, the, the documentary style mm -hmm. films, short films, and there were, there was that one powerful one that we saw that still has stuck with me nine months yeah. later. Um, and so I think the work that you're doing is really exciting. And the fact that you have this theater background, but you, you know, I'm just curious. Um, I'm actually curious cause I feel like we haven't really talked about you making art. Mm. Um, have you have you made have you created art uh on a, uh, either on a yeah you know, educational or a, sure. a, a professional a, level um, in a in a formal way not mm. in a long time mm. um but when i uh lived in ireland i i was part of um some devised theater pieces mm. um directing and acting and um also worked on a large scale sort of what we would now call immersive promenade style piece where I directed the community company. So there was that uh, kind of, um, I don't know, uh, that was very impactful working with non-actors in a, in a very um, performative way, you know, and, and, it, and it wasn't non-actors performing their stories. It was non-actors in a, in a play, in inhabiting a fictional world, oh. um, that was really exciting. And um, and I made, I produced a short, and I made a short with uh, some uh, sort of at-risk uh, teenage girls, some of whom um, had kids, and and uh, you know wrote the script with them and directed and co-directed co and co-produced their mm -hmm. short. So I did that kind of work. Mm -hmm. And then I also, um, for about a year or two before I left Ireland, I was working with uh, some independent producers, film, film and TV producers, to, uh, in, as their script de development person. Uh, and so I was, in, and although I, I wasn't the writer, I was working with writers on projects, trying to put a slate together to get funding. And so that was more on the making side of things, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and, I, and it was great. I really loved it. And so uh, I continue now uh, to, to write myself um, when I can. And um, um, I can't remember the last sort of Oh, well, the last cr creating I did was with Trusty Sidekick for Shadowplay, oh. which um, was a, a, a based on a concept that Jonathan and I put together, and then the company um, devised with kids, um, three, four, and five-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And then I came in when they were fairly far along uh, and did uh, the final sort of story workshop with them in role as a, as a writer who had writer's block and they, could they please help me finish the story? And so their ideas about how that central character Flash would get to the moon to save his, to be reunited with his shadow, um, many, uh, there, there's a video actually of their, uh, their amazing ideas about that. And I think, I'm pretty sure Spica worked on that workshop with us because um, we were in a multilingual preschool mm -hmm. and um, and 
uh, none of the kids had English as their first language. Oh, okay. So Speaker was doing an awful lot of interpreting. I'm pretty, I, I can't believe I would misremember that. But anyway, mm -hmm. so it was a totally exhilarating experience to be really, um, it, you know, we were working in a structure that could feel like, um, you know, quote unquote, arts education. But the, the intended outcome of that structure was not, you know, to complete a lesson plan. It was to, to the final development stage of a script that then would become a production. So um, it was just a, a same stuff, different mode mm -hmm. and different outcome. And that was really exciting to work in. And it's been really gratifying to see that piece change and grow and um, last summer, for instance, they, uh, Trusty Sidekick came up here to the Burns and re-recorded the shadow sequences um, in anticipation of their um, latest tour with mm -hmm. the piece. And so that was really, really cool to bring all those worlds together. Um, and there you're looking at, you know, NYU, New Victory, uh, and Jacob Burns, just you know, to name a few, and mm -hmm. there are others. Mm -hmm. um, but that was that was super cool and really exciting. And then that kind of came full circle to go back to the IPay community in January and see Shadowplay performed in their showcase, um, and sort of be back in that more TYA, less arts ed world, which hasn't always had the easiest relationship with teaching artists and arts education and to see everybody to see a lot of that dissolving away mm -hmm. um and how you know just where that community has gotten to now nothing it's not, nothing to do with me but it was just very exciting mm -hmm. to be back in yeah. that world and see so much positive change and a lot less labeling of modes, mm -hmm. um, performance, you know, art versus education. And that's, uh, that I wasn't always sure in that we would see that in my, my time. <laughs> <laughs> um, two acronyms that you said, TYA and IPAY. Mm -hmm. What do they stand for? Uh, TYA is theater for young audiences, a field term about professional theater, um, created with the intention of playing and being for young audiences. Um, and IPAY is International Performing Arts for Youth. And um, it's a professional organization whose main purpose is to put on a showcase for programmers and bookers to come create their seasons. And has evolved um, into a place of real professional exchange and um, a kind of learning community about the work mm -hmm. uh, and a great incubator for new work and new approaches. And uh, it's a really just a lovely gathering of like-minded folks. Mm -hmm. um, and, and previously you talked about Imaginate, but I don't think we talked about about what that was, you, you talk, I forget what the context is now, but the you were talking about Tony Riki and and can you just talk a little bit more about Imaginate because it's it's on the same. Sure, Imaginate is a um, well. When I first encountered it, it was um, 
I think it had a different name, and it was the Scottish uh, Theater for Youth Festival or mm -hmm. something, International Scottish Children's Theater Festival mm -hmm. or something like that, and Tony Riki came in the, the first time I went to that festival. Um, uh, it was with a, a theater company from Ireland, Graffiti, and uh, Tony, it was his first s festival as festival director or uh, whatever the title was. And over his, through his leadership and time there, um, it transformed pretty quickly into Imaginate as the name of the festival and then Imaginate transformed again as a kind of umbrella name where the festival was is the cornerstone project, but there were lots of other projects and structures that came under that banner. Mm -hmm. um, are lots yeah, of other are, projects yeah. and structures. I, I think we can live in this in this TYA world for a moment. Okay. But before we go there, I just wanted to um, ask really bluntly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, what kind of artists or artists, plural, um, do you identify as? I heard writer. Yeah, writer, I would say um, creative collaborator. That's not a formal term, but that's, I like it. that's a mode that I like I'll to be in. I'll take that too, yeah. Whether yeah. it's as a, you know, leader or as a part of a ensemble. Um, I mean, I have acted. I don't identify as an actor, mm -hmm. but um, but certainly the the training and those experiences have ser continue to serve me. Um, I think that's it. Theater maker. Theater maker. Would you director? I have directed, but I like I I feel more aligned with mm -hmm. or uh, with the idea of a theater maker because again, Great. it's the ensemble mm -hmm. and the. Um, that implies devising. Um, in my in my T TA course, which I took over from you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I first day I get the the students to to say one. Can you please tell me what uh, type of artist you identify as today? Because and they all start sweating. To have to actually articulate it out loud feels very very scary and anxious uh, ridden, which I find. Um, heartwarming, you know, like and completely endearing, but also like I'm going to push you and get you to say it, mm -hmm. say it out loud because then you can start working towards yeah. that, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it, and of course we all have different things. So what I, I, every given day I'm either, I'm, uh, if I have to choose one, I'm a divisor, a theater maker, a director, an actor. Actor is actually the one that I feel the most connected to and the, it's the, it's the hardest one to say out loud. That's so interesting. I can totally relate to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I would I would add to my mix uh, storyteller and mm. fi and filmmaker because I have done that. Yeah, and I do continue to aspire to make my own work. Didn't you write a script? I a did. Script? I wrote a script. I've got I've 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 now got an outline for a TV series that yeah. I but, uh, and I have a whole bunch of kids books that I have, sort of on scrap paper and various journals from various times of my life. I feel so. like you have, you, you, for me, <laughs> this is just my opinion, <laughs> but you have a freelancer's heart. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're like, and I get itchy because of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I, I, you know, we all, a lot of us have multiple projects going on and, and you know, whether we're working full time or not, but, you know, in, in hearing all the different <laughs> projects that you have, 
it is a wonder how you have time for it all. The fact that you have a family, yeah, you're working full time, running. Well, you'll notice none of those things I just mentioned are you know in production or on bookshelves. Right. So um, but, they but, live in my mind and my heart mostly. Yeah. But but I think I think that's okay because I think the thing that sometimes we, um, or at least in my. 20s or early like just after I graduated from college I thought I was supposed to know everything and I was a mess and knew nothing and was reminded every day that I knew nothing um and and decided rather than sort of being uh upset that I'm not wherever I think or society thought I was supposed to be at the moment decided I'm going to focus on whatever is right in front of me for right now and I'm just going to write everything else down mm-hmm. and eventually things started to you know sort of pick up from there so I think it's okay yeah you know and and I I hate that we and 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 I'm not saying you're doing this specifically but I think um it might be a a a a fem a female thing potentially um that we sort of can put a lot of pressures on ourselves to do all the things at all at all at once which Mm -hmm. is impossible impossible um and the fact that we have all these uh, incredible ideas that are actually, actually incredible, um, and you want to make things happen, but you have to sort of be practical at right. the same time. Right, make choices. Mm-hmm. I think, and I think you know, like you were saying, actor was probably the hardest one for you to own or say out loud. Um, I think in a in a very similar way, it's it's still not totally comfortable for me to share that I've got all these things on scrap paper on my desk at home, you know, um, and that, you know, they live there for now. Um, because that one, you have to sort of, you're making yourself vulnerable by saying you have these ideas and two, then it feels like, well, they must not be very good or something, or they wouldn't just be on the, you know, on her hard drive. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I also think, for a long time until pretty recently um yeah it uh it meant i had to really say that i had those kinds of other aspirations and so it was almost like an admission because for so long i i have felt and and genuinely enjoyed facilitating other people's artistic aspirations whether it's as a, as I said, as a script developer, um, as a as a arts ed facilitator, or other kinds of uh, artistic facilitator, as a producer, um, you know, th- as a as a department head or, or leader, um, I'm very comfortable and interested in and and passionate about those roles as well. Mm-hmm. It's funny; it makes me think like I wish there was a word for that for the artistry of that um mm. you know like teaching artist or it's not administrative artist that sounds icky mm. but you know what is that and it comes back again to the first part of our conversation of saying that whatever this uh, value set is um that can speak to what makes me want to get up in the morning and be a person in the world, whether it's as an artist or as an administrator, as a mom, Mm -hmm. as a wife, whatever it is. Um, I can take that stuff and deploy it for good Mm -hmm. in all these, or I hope so, um, in all these different modes. Mm -hmm. And 
it's, you know, Courtney, it's the same conversation we had, I don't know how long ago, but like, why should I have to choose? Mm -hmm. Why does wanting to be good at teaching or good at administration mean that I should be embarrassed about saying that I also write stories when I yeah. can? No, exactly. Sorry. Fuck that. <laughs> No, no, you shouldn't have to feel embarrassed or <laughs> television. Um, you know, like the, uh, no, it, I, I hear you. I absolutely hear you. And, oh, I know you do. Or I wouldn't have even gone there. <laughs> but I think no, I think that it's important for other people to hear that too. You know what I yes. mean? We all are feeling all those things. Yeah. And now the extra layer. Mm -hmm. What I was talking with Ben about before we went mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm on tape or whatever you call it now, um, is how do I take all that stuff? How do any of us take all that stuff and apply it to the moment we're in? And what is the power of that? You know, we talked about social justice and humanity and play. Mm -hmm. um, I really believe it's sort of become easy in this moment to say, and, and I believe it, you know, our artists have a many of these answers, look to the artists. Mm -hmm. I actually would go further, I would say look to the arts educators, look to the teaching artists, look to the people who have already um, facilitated um, and live and breathe by those principles. Thank you for listening to Episode 10, Act 3 of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Edie Demas, The Sphere of Cultural Responsibility. Join us next time for Act 4. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is produced and edited by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. John L. Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at ta underscore artistry and now on instagram at teaching artistry with cjb like our page on facebook listen to us on soundcloud subscribe and rate us on itunes and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life let's start it up now let's start it up now